This is Neil Isaacs. And this is Luis Suarez. And this is the Pivot Podcast, where we discuss how business owners and leaders adapt to change. All right. Um, Neil, we're back at it again with another episode. (laughs) Thanks for having me again at your office. Um, we're getting closer and closer to the holiday season, Neil. Are you yes, excited? I am excited. I love this long, long beard you've grown since our last podcast. <laughs> Stop picking on me. He knows I want to grow a beard, but uh, it's I dragging on the floor. He's tripping over it. <laughs> um, my my wife always gets on me because uh, she knows that I, I I'm trying to grow one, <laughs> and it always just gets to a point where it gets too annoying and I have to shave. But it's like my um like my my beard hair is like. They don't get along, and so they go in all separate ways. It's very scraggly. It. Well, um, this podcast is, is all about, about change, and <laughs> facial hair change is relevant as well. So oh, man. Oh. What are, what, what's your business doing for the holidays, Neil? Well, we're probably going... It's going to get slow soon. People don't make big business decisions over the holidays, so I think we're seeing... It's been extremely busy, and I think this is kind of the last rush of the year before the holiday season. Hmm. Yeah. Um, from from a marketing standpoint, we um, I think so too. I think it's going to get a little bit slower. Um, you know, we were in business. We're we're a new business, and we were in business uh, last holiday season. But we were still focusing on figuring out what we were going to do, and so I don't really think it had that much to do with us. So I'm I'm curious to see how it will affect us uh, this year. But I guess if it is slow, we can just take the time for uh, planning. Yes. And uh, making sure that 2019 has started. Work on the internal instead of the external. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this episode because we have someone very famous with us today. World famous. <laughs> That's it. That. So, uh, Neil, why don't you do the, uh, the introduction for us? Well, I am so excited to, to have Julie Smith the owner of steam pro with us and i've known julie for some time she's um she's a gym a local (laughs) business owner family business right here in the triangle um i'll I'll let i'll let julie tell us a little bit about about her business so julie welcome thank you i appreciate it thanks for the warm introduction yes absolutely absolutely. thanks for coming yeah thank you glad to be here so tell us a little bit about you in general about me in general, well, I've done quite a mixed bag of things. Um, the last five years I've been with SteamPro, although I did not start SteamPro. Okay. My husband started SteamPro 10 years ago, and so before that, I've been a school teacher, and so my degree actually is in elementary education, so completely different, which a lot of us are not doing the things we went to school for. Well, sometimes that's good, though. No, for sure, absolutely, yeah. and, and I like to say that, you know, some people say things in life happen for a reason. I, I like the phrase that no experience is wasted. So no yeah. matter what you do, no matter what happens, no matter how many job changes you have, you can use every experience as a building, you know, building block Absolutely. or stepping stone. Yeah. So I've that. taught school before. Um, I worked as an admin assistant in a medical office for about five years. I was a salon manager, very character building. That was the most character building job I had. Customer service 101. For sure, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm working with um, eccentric personalities at a hair salon. And then I worked at Soma Med Spa, which you guys probably hear their commercials on the radio if you're in the Triangle. Mm -hmm. So I worked there for um, about a year as well in sales. Learned a lot about sales there and then came to Steam Pro. So that's the quick version. Excellent. Steam Pro, family business. It is, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So what was that decision like to go to work with your husband? That's a really good question. It was a huge decision, and it was a big leap of faith because, you know, as you know, 
we would not then be on two incomes. Like there was no backup. So we're sure. going to be on this one income and it's completely dependent on us. And if it failed, we failed together. You know, it wasn't, yeah. again, there was no job to back it up. So we talked about it for a long time. My husband got so busy that he could not continue doing the workload that he had, um, scheduling appointments, answering phones, doing the marketing. In fact, he was, it was kind of cyclic for him as far as the marketing and then getting the business. So he'd go out and get a network meetings. He'd bring in a lot of business. Then he'd schedule the work, go do the work. And then he would do the same thing over and over again. So it just wasn't steady. Um, so we decided to bring me on um, back in 2013. And our first full year in business, we more than doubled our, our sales. So it was a good decision. Wow, that's mm-hmm. amazing. It was now, exciting. As someone who, who also works with their spouse, um, did, did you two ever, were you two ever concerned with the other, you know, issues and obstacles that you, that you run into when you, when you work with your significant other or had you guys already had some experience with that? We had not had experience and I don't know that we were concerned enough. <laughs> ground rules or? Sure, for sure. So meaning, you know, that we were, ex- we weren't ex- experienced enough. We didn't know what we didn't know, right? Somebody gave us really good advice in the beginning, which was to stay in your own lanes as much as possible. You know, decide what your roles are going to be um, and stay in, in those roles. Don't go over your line and tell the other person how to do their job. So, but at the same time, this was my husband's business. I knew nothing about it. So he had to teach me a lot of things. So I had to be, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, help me. Um, willing to learn open to advice oh you had to have you had to have a student mentality or be teachable right right? had to be teachable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I don't know where to pick back up but uh so you had to be teachable coming in and working with the business your husband had been running and jump in absolutely and I love to learn like I just I'm a lifelong learner any so that for me wasn't a problem um and then I took what he gave me and honestly he gave me the freedom to make it my own so that really helped a lot. Had he been very controlling and been like, you know, has to be done just like this. He was like, just book me business. Just keep me busy. And boy, did I. <laughs> that first year, I'm telling you, like more than doubling our sales revenue, it nearly killed him as one person doing everything. And then after that, we were able to hire somebody, you know. So he was um, doing it all himself. He was. And he brought wow. you in. Yep. And you were just sell, sell, sell. And he could operate, you. operate, operate. Exactly. Wow. Yep. I mean, I just, I didn't know anything better than like, anything other than hustling and I literally just yeah. I went door to door business to business hey can I give you a free quote and we closed deals just that, I mean, that simply you know a lot of times people are like what do you, you know what do I do what it, they overthink it but just ask the question you know can I have yeah. a business sometimes it's that simple yeah. you know? sometimes all you have to do is ask for the clothes that's right ask for the clothes show up you know yeah. walk in so oh I want to spend a little bit more time talking about that decision because your your husband was running the business and how long did he run the business for Five years. Five years. And you joined the business five years ago? Exactly, yeah. Wow. So this is a 10-year-old business, mm-hmm. and very few businesses make it a dec- or five years, much less a decade. Right. Yeah, that's very impressive. I'm very fortunate, but thank you very much. We, we ran a kind of a, um, not campaign, but we, we put out a newsletter to our customers at our 10-year mark, which was in February, and it was called 10 Years of People, because that's, I mean, that's the bottom line, like doing business with people as people, not a company. When you look at your customers as a number, transaction, uh, you know, you treat them that way, and they feel treated that way. They feel like a transaction, you know, you're just trying to close the deal, close the sale, but when they feel like they're doing business with a family or Mm -hmm. people that are the same as them, like I want the same experience they do when I have a a home service company come to my house. I want to have a good feeling when they leave. Mm -hmm. I think putting myself in their shoes as what's, or putting ourselves in their shoes has been what's allowed us to be successful, you know, just treat them as people. Yeah, yeah. And our employees as well, you know. 
So I love that. So this podcast is about leaders adapting to change, and I th- I see kind of that that first half of the business, the five years, and then you joined, and then something happened, right? And then sales are doubling. So talk to us a little bit about about that transition, a little bit more, and, and anything that you learned from that experience. Wow, I mean, you know, that first year that we worked together, obviously it was a completely different industry for me, and then being in a position where I didn't have a boss technically, it was the first time I never had a boss. I mean, everything was different for me. Not Wait, much. Who, who was the boss exactly? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, we share, we yeah. share a lot of those decisions, but no. <laughs> and there's a, you know, honestly, there has to be a mutual respect for each other as well, right? So there, there were times in the beginning when I made phone calls and I was like, I, you know, I don't know what to say. What do you want? There was no script. I came from a corporate America sure. job where there was a script. There was, this is how you do it. Exactly. You know, you there was no manual, there was no formula. Exactly. And so, I mean, it, I was scared, but just, you know, falling forward. I like to use that phrase a lot. Sometimes p- people in business will just stop. You know, it's like analysis paralysis and I'm bad for that. I overthink things, right? Like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do or to say, or where do I begin? Just begin, take the first step. And if you start in that direction, if you fall, at least you're falling forward, right? You're falling towards where you want to go. If that's, you know, the path in front of me, I got the mountaintop in front of me, stepping in that direction, one step at a time, even if it's a fall, it's falling in the right direction, right? Love Instead it. of looking yeah. at it as like, oh, we took two steps back and, you know, you, you fell, get up, you know, keep going in the same direction. It, it, business is messy. It's not pretty. Absolutely. So it gave me the opportunity to create some things and to put systems, which we'll get more into, I'm sure, in a little yeah. bit, but to put systems in place. And I didn't do that right away. I didn't I didn't know um, better, I guess. You don't know what you yeah. don't know. But uh, learning the hard way, like after seeing an, e- an email like five to ten times, it essentially said the same thing. Why am I not saving a template, you know? <laughs> Why am I not, you know, automating or systemizing this? So. Mm. I love that. Were there any moments, were there any, moments, uh, were there any specific moments um, during, you know, those co- first couple of years when you joined where you realized that things needed to be a little different, things needed to change? So I don't know if something happened per se that made us realize this, but along the way, we realized in that in this last five years that we were on the wrong, in the wrong, <laughs> we were in the wrong seats on the bus. And I talked to you guys about this a little bit before mm-hmm. I came on. So in the book Traction, they use that kind of as a, to draw a, a picture for you. Uh, your business is a bus and every seat on the bus is a different role in your business. And every role has to be filled. And when you're the solopreneur, I like to call it. So you're the solo entrepreneur, solopreneur. Mm-hmm. And you're the owner operator, you fill every seat in the bus. A lot of people say you wear a lot of hats is another way to say it, right? So, um, but then as you have, you bring people on, and so for us, there were two of us, you know, figuring out how to to split that up, um, to begin with was really easy. He did everything out in the field. It was just all operations for him, and I did everything else. It was that simple. And then as we hired more people is where it became more complicated, right? So you're not in the field as much, so now what roles are you going to fill? So long story short, the biggest aha for me and the biggest or for us and the biggest change that we made was switching seats on the bus. He had always been in the driver's seat in my mind. I don't know about his mind, but in my mind, he was he yeah. was the business owner. It was By his default. business. Yeah, sure. I was kind of his co-pilot. And we realized what a passion I had for business. And it wasn't that he didn't care about business. He just was more like, he had that technician's mentality. He was really good at what he did. He liked doing what he did. He loved serving his customers, doing a good job for them. But at the end of the day, he was just satisfied with happy customers, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I was not just satisfied with that. I wanted more, you know, I wanted to provide more for our customers and obviously I wanted to grow as well. So that was a big change for us. 
Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really good analogy, too. Um, I, I got a little bit of a preview before we started the podcast, and she explained what that meant, but I'd never heard that before. Yeah. Um, I, I like that a lot. And I've heard similar analogies with, um, you know, the CFO is looking in the rearview mirror, right? Mm, yeah, makes like, sense. Like, where are you looking in if, if the business is a vehicle? You got the different seats, but then are you moving forward? Or are you... Is your foot on the gas? Is your foot on the brake? So you could take that analogy. You could drive that analogy really far. <laughs> Interesting. That's true. <laughs> Pun intended. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, we, we have some questions that we, we like to go through here on the Pivot Podcast. Are you ready to answer some questions, Julie? We'll see. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk about this. So you are an entrepreneur, and you've seen your business go through different stages of growth but what advice would you have for an entrepreneur who who's finds their business experiencing a rapid growth phase? Well, what type of advice would you give them? So two things come to mind. Um, the first is systems. If you don't have them in place, you better get them in place fast. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you can't undo, so to speak. Once you start getting that momentum, you're building up. You're you know you're um, you build up employees, your staff. You, it's hard to go back and say, oh, you know, we were doing it all wrong. I want you to do this now, you know. So getting systems in place where things are spelled out um, so that when you have, you know, new employees that do come on, everybody's on the same page. They know what to expect. Everybody's not going in different directions. And so an example in our business would be we have a technician. We have, you know, five technicians, and each one shows up to a house, and they do things differently. That's not how we want it to be. We want it to be the same experience for every customer every time. The only way to make that happen is to have things in writing and procedures, protocols. This is how we do things. This is how we say things. Yeah. You know, this is how the customer should feel. You know, this is what you do after the job. So that's uh, that's number one of systems. Number two is, and I haven't experienced this too much yet, but I've heard so many horror stories about it. I think it's great advice, which is to hire slow and fire fast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to elaborate a little bit more, what that means is our temptation, I think, is when we grow is I got to hurry up and hire. Like, I got to get help. I'm not turning business away. You know, we experienced that last year in our busiest season, which is like April, May, and June, where I had to turn business away. We lost business because we weren't staffed enough. That killed me. And I'm a yes person. I'm like, we will figure it out. (laughs) And my husband's like, no, you're killing us. You're literally killing us. Our guys can't do any more overtime, you know. But if we had hired the wrong people and just got people out there, got people on the road, we could have ruined our business, our Absolutely. reputation, a lot of bad things could have happened. So really vet who you hire. Have a have a system for hiring even. You know, have a process for exactly the same way every time how you're gonna do that. Um, there is a really cool program called the Rockstar Employee Toolkit. It's offered by Brian. His last name is not coming to my mind. It's with he, his company is called A Plus Power Washing. He's in New York, actually. Um, oh, Brian Haggerty is his last name. H A G E R T Y, I think. So the Rockstar Employee Toolkit, and he will tell you exactly how to hire the right person. It's a program. It costs, I think, a few hundred dollars, but it's worth it. You'll use it a million times over. So that would be my advice. And then when you know that somebody's not in the right seat or they're not they're, they're not the right fit for your company, don't overthink it. Like they gotta yeah. go. You know, get them yeah. out. That one's tough. As it e- is. Even as a business owner, like I, I really haven't had to do that. Um, but from you know, even my previous job, um, that was that was definitely tough to do. But it's a it's a huge necessity. <laughs> I, I totally agree, and thankfully we haven't had to do much of that either. Um, 
but it's one of those things where I like to see the best in people and I want to, you know, like, oh, they're just, you know, falling on a tough time. I think how they handle correction has a lot to do with that too. If they are just falling on a hard time, they'll handle criticism well. They'll Mm -hmm. take it as construction and say, okay, I hear you. I'm falling on a bad time. Here's what's going on. And then they'll make, you know, they'll try to improve on that. But, you know, if they're not open to correction, it's always an art of fight. It's always an argument that I think that's a big, you know, that's a big sign. I love it. Okay, well, the next pivot question is about marketing, and it's about your favorite marketing technique. What is your favorite marketing technique and why? Hmm, that's a hard question. I mean, for our business, I think the biggest marketing, and I don't know the word is technique, but marketing method for us sure. is referrals. Yeah. I can't always control it. However, I can ask for referrals. I think that's a big one that's overlooked. We feel bad for some reason asking um, but if it's where most of our business comes for, why wouldn't I want to you know, expound upon that? I think people want to help people um, not only do business with people they know, like, and trust, but they want to help those businesses grow. They want to see them be successful. I think there's something about, especially in our community, we're in Wake Forest, so it's a small community, and they love supporting local businesses. And I think they, they, they want to help you grow. So again, just like you said earlier, asking, you know, asking for the business and saying, like, who else do you know? Even if it's your, you know, weird, creepy uncle, we'll, we'll talk to him. <laughs> Put a little humor in there, you know, yeah. so. I love it. I love it. And it's the most affordable as well. Absolutely. It yeah. cost you nothing to ask. Absolutely. I know of businesses that have a system for that as well. They ask before they get the job, like before mm-hmm. they come to their house to do a quote. Hey, you know, before you come out there, do you know of any of your neighbors that might be interested? When they get there, hey, while we're here, do you know of any yeah. neighbor? You know, and then when they sit, they uh, actually do the job, they ask again, and then after the job, the that's follow-up. four times. Yeah, you know, that's, I bet that's what it takes. You know, and why not? And another little tip for service companies, like home service-based companies, when you're in someone's home. Always have your technician leave materials at, we call it five arounds, the five closest doors to you. So that maybe two on either side, one across from the street. So whether it's a door hanger, whatever it is, you're already there. Yeah. And then even better than that, if you're there doing a quote, do the same thing. Go to the neighbor's, hey, let's yeah. just at your neighbor's house. You know, would you like a quote for the same service? Again, you're there. It's saving I've heard that called clover leafing as well. So wherever yeah. you are, you go kind of around. That makes more. sense. And I, and I have to say, I love all this talk of systems and documentation as a business broker. This, these are the types of questions that we ask people when they want to sell your business. What's what have you documented? Mm-hmm. What is your IP that you have solidified in some type of a process or a manual? It really adds value to your business. Right. So that's great. Well, the the final pivot question is about success. I'm fascinated with success. What's your definition of success for your firm? Oh, that's Deep question. Deep it thoughts. is. I mean, we could go in so many different ways um, because I don't know if it's just one thing, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't have business again without people, right? You know, I'm, I am doing business with people and without them at the end of the day, um, I, you know, without customers, and sometimes a lot of business owners want to blame customers if I just didn't have customers, you know, like to deal with. <laughs> like, well, you wouldn't have a business for one. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's um, there's, there's a good and bad to everything. But I think it is hearing um, the success stories, right? The feelings of like, you know, I was expecting this to be an awful experience because maybe they had a bad experience in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe even they weren't expecting bad, but after we came, they just had such a good experience. So I think for us, success is getting those success stories, you know, over and over again, um, saying, hey, like, thank, thank you. Thanks for coming. And people being appreciative. I think when people are appreciative of service uh, businesses for doing work, not just, hey, I gave you a check for this um, this service. We trade money for this service, and that's that. They thank us for our work. They're appreciative of our work. I, I do feel like success at the end of the day is like if your customers aren't happy, then who cares if you're taking all the money in the world? That's then... what I'm hearing is it's it's not just about the money. Obviously, you want to feed your family, but you want to make an impact. Right. There's more to it, yeah. And there's always, I feel like there always has to be more to it if you're going to have a successful business. Absolutely. That's where the passion comes from, you know. And You can tell when people are just doing it for the money and it's not sustainable. Well, I agree. And on that that was my next thought, actually, about the sustainability. So if customer retention, which is a big goal of ours, and I would think any business, right? Um, if If I look at them as a transaction, I can take their money today and I may never see them again if I don't treat them as a person, right? And treat them like I would want to be treated and do a great job. Um, not only am I not going to get their repeat business, I'm not going to get referrals, which was my biggest marketing method, we said, you know, right? So none of that would happen. You know, was it not for treating, again, people like people, you know, and, yeah, and not that. a transaction. So, yeah. People do business with people they like, yeah. Absolutely. All hmm. right. We you did great with our questions, Julie. So um, I think... We'd love to know people out there that have houses that they need carpet clean. How can they find you? They can find us at steampronc for North Carolina.com. And just to spell it out, steampro, S T E A M P R O, as in professionals, nc.com. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. And I know uh, Julie is in our Facebook group, the Triangle Business Owners, and she is always out there making connections and giving advice and just helping other business owners and we love that about you so thank you for Thanks. that i Always. like to i've been mentored by a lot of people i'm very grateful and i just i love I, maybe that's a teacher in me right yeah. you know just i love sharing what i've learned with other people so. and that's something going off script a little bit that i know that you and i have talked a little bit about julie as far as being open to mentorship i know you're involved in in uh in a kind of a a, a, a mastermind of sorts for your industry do you have anything to share about that, about the value that kind of plugging into people smarter than you have? Oh my goodness, right. Like, I mean, I love the phrase, you know, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. I am on board with that, you know. Um, and I'm actually not, I'm not a part of a mastermind, like a paid mastermind right, group right, or anything. Right. But yeah, I'm definitely part of other, I get most of them are actually on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I, I glean so much from those groups and I try to give back when I can. If there's something I come across or something that's worked for me, whether it's a sales technique. And for example, I just spoke on upselling at the, is it Triangle Breakfast? Triangle Breakfast. Something. Business Breakfast. Business Breakfast, yeah. okay. Triangle Business Breakfast. Um, that was really fun. We talked about upselling, ethical upselling, that's sure. what they called it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was... It was just some things I had learned actually from an, a sales and marketing super course it was called that I took actually and I'm sure I'm happy to share where to find that too um, but yeah it, like not looking at upselling as a nasty thing looking at it as, as helping your customer you know if you're solving more problems for them which at the end of the day that's what sales is about they have a problem yeah. you're offering a solution um, then why wouldn't they be happier <laughs> that you're solving more problems you know you know at the end of the day everybody knows you clean carpets I sell businesses 
Lewis does marketing. They know that we offer those services, but not everybody needs those services all the time. So that's mm. where you have to always be out there helping people, adding value, whatever it is that they need, just so that you're relevant. So they think about you when they do have that need. Completely agree. Okay. Absolutely. Um, good. So, so so that, that basically wraps up another episode of the Pivot Podcast. Um, hopefully we can start producing more and more of these on a more frequent basis as well. Um, you can find us on any of your favorite platforms like Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Anchor. So, so please be sure to, to subscribe and follow our podcast. Um, reach out to Neil or myself if you're interested in coming and, uh, and being a part of the podcast. This is definitely a new experience for us. Uh, we're learning a lot and uh, you know we love we love hearing stories uh, from other you know local business owners and, and leaders here in the community.